Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Spartan Spotlight. I'm Justin Thind. I'm here with my co-host Corey Robinson. Uh, today we're here to recap the Maryland-Michigan State game. How you doing today, Corey? I'm doing good. Uh, definitely felt good to get uh, back in the win column and these the shows are always a lot more exciting when you can talk about a win. Yeah, for sure. We have been lucky enough to talk about wins for uh, nine games so far and uh, hopefully Michigan State can keep that going, but a lot of good things from this week's game. I know a lot of the concern was the passing offense um, not looking good these last uh, couple games, uh, mostly against Purdue, but they, uh, for the most part, didn't give up too many points. I know the yardage was kind of high once again, but they uh, held up in the red zone. Uh, it was 350 passing yards that they gave up, but uh, only three total touchdowns. A lot of that was um, them finally uh, doing a good job on third down, something that they've struggled at a lot this year. And uh, there were three for 13, Maryland was in that regard. So that's kind of what led to the 21 points. And then also some timely blitz calls by Scotty Hazleton, um, one that was in the red zone that pushed them back about 15, 20 yards on an intentional grounding uh, where the field goal ended up being a miss. And then couple of third down blitzes and a one was a corner blitz. So those kind of um, timely blitzes kind of helped keep the score total low as well. Um, that's kind of the recap of the defense there, but Corey, what did you, what did you see from the defense this game? Yeah, I thought they made a lot of the adjustments that uh, we kind of had hoped with as far as bringing more blitzes a little bit on them because you can't just let the guys uh pick you apart like that how they did in purdue uh if they went to the same game plan against purdue they're uh 10 and 0 right now but uh i thought some of the guys that stepped up too, like marky lowry lowry we were talking about him earlier i thought he looked really good out there uh he brings the physical presence uh coming off at the corner position which is something they need and he's he was the guy that had a couple of the well-timed blitzes off the edge that uh, blew plays up. Uh, I thought he was really good. And then, uh, like you mentioned, they had uh, 350 passing yards. But you look at two of the drives where I thought Michigan State kind of reverted back to their soft uh, zone coverage where they just kind of fall asleep apparently in the secondary like you take away two of those drives that they scored, the two drives they scored in under a minute each time. Uh, and you probably held them to under around 250 passing yards. So uh, that's pretty good. And even 350 is good for this defense because you're not going to create a miracle in a week when the pass defense has been an issue the whole time. So I thought this was the the best that we've seen the defense against a a high-powered offense really because – you know, their strength is that they throw the ball well and they have a lot of really good athletes. Uh, Rakeem Jarrett and a few others, the tight end uh, was really good for them. But they, they're not losing games because of a lack of talent. It's probably a lack of discipline and you saw a lot of that from them too. Right. And then they also had, um, like you were saying, it was a drive or two where they just went down the field and scored quickly in about a minute or two, just a lot of chunk plays. But um, with how short those drives were, that left um, a lot of time for the uh, defense to get a rest, along with the offense uh, having some long drives in there today. So time of possession uh, wasn't as bad as it usually is as well, because Maryland's scores were quick. They were not 
uh, drives where they uh, got four yards here, five yards there, and like marched it down the field that way. It was just some mental lapses, some coverage breakdowns and things like that. And uh, as a result, time of possession was basically uh, the same. It was 24 uh, minutes for Maryland, 21 minutes for Michigan State. So it I was think, uh, mm-hmm. 35, 50 for Michigan State. What What do you mean 35, 50? Uh, time of possession, 35 minutes and 50 seconds for Michigan State. Oh, really? Okay. So then the box yeah. score I'm looking at might not be accurate. Oh, yeah. yeah that, that can't be accurate because that doesn't even come close to equaling 60. So, yeah. Okay, so yeah, we'll go with we'll go with that thirty five fifty, not what CBS Sports has here. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Michigan State won the time of possession battle uh, quite a quite handily there. So that is a good sign. That's not something Michigan State does uh, quite often. Even in some of the games that they've won, they have um, scored kind of quick and had their defense out there quite a bit. But this time around, it was a different story. So. Quite a few positives that um, weren't usually present, all while still giving up quite a few yards. So it kind of shows that the team can be kind of sound while still still giving up a lot of yards. And I know that's the best that you could hope for this next week against Ohio State as well, because they aren't going to be able to slow them down. And the best you can do is to kind of contain them. But we'll talk about that in the Ohio State episode that we'll have later this week. But the uh, yeah, those those are kind of some of the positives that I took away uh, from the defense, and yeah, like you said, the negatives were just some some of those times. I, I think they one of the drives they went down the field like four plays, eighty yards, touchdown, and it was some of those were brutal. But uh, the rest of the game, which which was the majority of the game, since those scoring drives were were quick ones, uh, the rest of the majority of the game was pretty sound for the most part, and them bringing more pressure this week than, than last week, I, I think is uh, something that led to an improved defense overall. And I know we said that was one of the things that they should look to change uh, between the Maryland and Purdue games. And uh, they're not going to be able to find better cornerbacks in the middle of the season, but maybe not giving the quarterback as much time to find the receivers was a solution that we said they should look into. And it seems like they did. I uh, kind of wish they would have made that adjustment at halftime in the Purdue game, but um, not not really sure why they didn't kind of try to change things up on the fly there. But that's in the past now. So I guess talking about the offense a little bit, um, what what were your initial impressions of just the takeaways from the offense? Um, I think they did what they had to do. Uh, Maryland made a very strong effort to try and uh, bottle up Kenneth Walker, and he still ended up with 150 rushing yards, uh, two touchdowns on him. Uh, and then they did a much better job. I thought that something we talked about is getting him more involved in the passing game and not just the, the basic screen plays, throwing him out on the flats and stuff. And they did that a few times. They ran a, a speed option to the edge, uh, getting him outside. So I thought they got more creative with getting him outside or getting him the ball outside uh to take advantage of it and I mean like you said they took tried everything they could to take him away and he still showed you why he's the best running back in the country going for 150 yards and then Peyton Thorne he was really good made a lot of smart decisions with the ball that interception I mean honestly that's just a Hail Mary at the end of the half where you either uh hit hit it or you don't so that's not really a big deal um only gave up two sacks which was huge which one of those I put on Peyton just because he walked right into it when he had a whole lot of room to the other side 
so I thought the offensive line, you know, obviously it, it wasn't perfect, but for the situation where you have no horse, your left tackle missing, I thought Spencer Brown, he got out there a good amount. And I thought the offensive line looked better with him out there because it allowed Jarvis to slide into his natural uh, guard position. Uh, I think the best unit I saw that night on the offensive line was uh, our Curry at left tackle, Duplain left guard, same at center, uh, Jarvis right guard, and Spencer Brown at right tackle. So that could be something hopefully that they see more in the future just because I do think Spencer Brown has a bright future and the only way he's really gonna be able to fully figure it out is to just get out there and then as far as the receivers uh we talked a lot about involving the tight ends uh hitting the seams which they did do that uh Carr had a couple catches I believe but they mostly went uh with Tyler Hunt who uh, he did good other than that fumble, but I think I still would have liked to see that play he fumbled being designed for Malik Carr because he probably would have taken that, uh, if not to the house, he would have got it down to the red zone and just because he's such a elite athlete at that position. And then Jaden Reed was really good. Uh, he led the way with over 100 yards receiving. Um I think Trey Mosley, he had four catches for 52 yards, but a lot of those catches were really big third down ones uh, that moved the chains. And then, of course, obviously, Montori Foster with the first touchdown of the game for 52 yards uh, on the the flea flicker that Michigan State's had a ton of success with. So I thought it was a really good balance attack, especially when you look at uh, Maryland. Again, like I said, they – they have a lot of very good athletes on that team and a lot of guys that will play on Sunday. It's just the the discipline for them, and that's what it's always been because you look at their their penalties. They had 13 penalties for 93 yards, and they could have had a lot more. Uh, honestly, their hands in the face a lot uh, and a lot of extracurricular stuff after the whistle that the referees let go. So for them, uh, talent's never an issue. It's just a matter of, not beating yourself with a lack of discipline. Yeah. And I know that they, on the first couple drives, uh, just gifted Michigan state 15 free yards and uh, Michigan state made sure to take advantage of those penalties, went down and scored. So good to see there. And then, yeah, the passing offense uh, was basically uh, just as efficient as you would hope. Um, Thorne had four touchdowns. Uh, the one interception was just on that Hail Mary, uh, where actually he had a really good tackle to prevent anything crazy from happening there. Almost threw for 300 yards, uh, had 287, was uh, 22 for 32. So he's uh, completed more than two-thirds of his passes. That one sack that he took towards the end of the game, can't can't have that whatsoever. But that was really the only mistake he kind of made the whole day. And then, um, yeah, I mean, the interior blocking uh, for the first like two and a half quarters, it, it was not pretty. And I, I know Kenneth Walker had his um, yards per carry kind of looking pretty low in the in that portion of the game, but broke a couple there, uh, ended up getting four and a half yards per carry, actually 4.8. So, yep, close to 150 yards, two touchdowns. Definitely needed something like that because – um, CJ Stroud poured it on uh, this past week and then 
Um, Bryce Young did as well. And uh, those two guys uh, are going to be contenders here for the trophy, the Heisman Trophy as well. Um, I guess not the betters uh, in Vegas don't really mean everything here because a lot of the voters, uh, when they take the straw poll, do have Kenneth Walker leading. But Kenneth Walker actually fell from second to tied second across the major U.S. sports books um, after this week's game. So um, Alabama and Bryce Young were uh, able to benefit from playing a cupcake opponent this week. Um, but he did what he's supposed to do against that cupcake. And then CJ Stroud putting a billion points on Purdue seemed to help him. So um, this is a game coming up next week where he has the chance to really um, show the national audience once again, who he is. Um, Don't want to talk about that game too much though. So we'll, we'll address that when we talk about it in the Ohio state preview, but yeah, Walker had a good game. Uh, Simmons had uh, some nice flashes there as well. Still doesn't seem to be the most patient guy and kind of just puts his head down and runs through the nearest hole, but got him six and a half yards per carry doing that. Um, and then Eli Collins had that one nice seven yard run towards the end. Would have liked to have seen him get a c- couple more carries there, but uh, especially, especially on the uh, third down play when your entire uh, backup <laughs> offense is in besides your quarterback and you run a quarterback sneak with him when the game's <laughs> over. You know, yeah, that's probably right. one of those situations you could have just handed the ball off to Eli. Yeah, I don't, I don't get the idea of <laughs> running your quarterback there on that third and one, but um, I guess, oh well, doesn't doesn't <laughs> really hurt them. But I agree, that's where I would have just handed it to Eli there. Um, yeah, yeah uh, Montori uh, Foster had a great fifty-two uh, yard touchdown catch. Um, didn't really watch him on the rest of the plays. Don't know if he was consistently getting open or or what the deal was, but. He'll take uh, one touchdown on 52 yards any day. Mosley had some big catches, like you were saying. Um, and then, yeah, Reed, uh, as always, had a great game. But they had five uh, targets to the to the two tight ends, uh, Hunt and Carr, and that yielded four catches for uh, 32 yards. So they had a decent production from the tight end position. Would have liked to have seen more of that production go towards Carr. Um all in all, it's um, probably one of the better tight end performance days that Michigan State has had other than that fumble. And then uh, Keon Coleman got in there uh, throughout the game. I only had two targets uh, for one catch on one yard. I think it was a jet pass, uh, a touch pass, uh, if I recall. Um, but yeah, so that kind of rounds out the offensive stat line. But uh, the 40 points kind of speak for themselves. It was a, it was a good day for the offense would have liked to have seen um, more yards per carry for Kenneth Walker and not entirely sure if that was just um, guys moving around across the line and not having a, an available Jarrett Horst and the unit kind of being a little depleted or Maryland was doing some something to disrupt things. I know they committed a lot of resources to the box and were basically saying, you're not going to beat us with Kenneth Walker. You're going to beat us with the pass game. And Michigan State definitely did that. But uh, there, I'd like to see a little more holes open up there still, even despite that, because some of the linebackers were not the reason the holes were plugging up. It was They were not even getting to the second level in some cases. But um, Ohio State's not the most ru- stout run defense, so hopefully they get to see some more holes next week. But um, any other observations about the offense, uh, Corey? 
No, I think uh, we pretty much covered it. But I too, too, I think I guess uh, Walker he had his one of his ankles wrapped pretty good mm-hmm. too. So I think that was kind of bugging him a little bit. And then you saw him take that wrap off, and then he kind of closed strong after that too. So I think maybe that that wrap was uh, limiting some of his uh, his mobility and bend. So he just got rid of that. So he'll have to uh, have a a low key practice week this week and just kind of get healthy and get ready to carry the load and uh, try and cement his uh, Heisman candidacy even further. Yeah. And then I think um, like you were saying, a light practice week, I would just basically um, put some ice on that ankle and, and tell him to sit on a couch and watch a lot of film this week. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have him do much of anything else. We we know the, his work ethic. We know that he's he'll be fine if he has a very light practice week this week. So, um, and then other guys, hopefully they get healthy. Um, I know Malik Carr was a bit of a surprise uh, omission from this week's game. Uh, he was on the sideline, so it, he wasn't like too injured to the point where he wouldn't be comfortable standing for sixty minutes. Uh, he was in a hoodie there, just talking to linebackers as they came on and off the field. So hopefully he'll be able to go this upcoming week. And then I know um, there was uh Simeon Barrow who was supposed to be just out for the first half, but ended up being out for the whole game. Uh, not sure what the deal is there, but uh, hopefully he's back soon as well. But other than that, the cornerbacks uh, got a little healthy other than Chuck Brantley, who seems like he's out for the year as we talked about in the last week's episode. Uh, but for the most part, the injuries, uh, you, you can feel them in this game against Maryland. Uh, I know Noah Harvey uh, made a couple of plays. He had that pass interference where he refused to turn around, like which is when most of MSU's pass interference are, but had that great interception right after that. But uh, good stuff from him. Yeah, I thought he had a really strong game going into it. Uh, kind of stepped up in the absence of Crouch and uh he uh there wasn't too many plays where you you felt like uh he was a liability with a lack of speed there so you give him uh some major props for stepping up when they needed him but against Ohio State you're definitely gonna need Crouch out there to uh to kind of match up athletically yeah you need him against Travion Henderson or else a lot of these 10 eight yard runs can become home runs because even defenses that have um, tried to crowd the box and say CJ Stroud beat us, uh, those defenses have even given up a home run or two. And um, even when they do do that, Ohio State just kind of goes four wide and then that raises other issues. But that, yeah, the, he'll he'll need to be back this week um, and it'll help Michigan's, Michigan State a lot. But um, yeah, and then left tackle, uh, Jarrett Horst uh, still remains out. And um, like you said, Spencer Brown coming in and playing some right tackle and allowing Jarvis to to go into right guard helped the overall efficiency. That's good to see because I know with a lot of Michigan State's offensive line leaving next season, a guy like Spencer Brown might be needed to step in and become a starter. So that's uh, promising to see him have a good game against a conference opponent here 
uh, towards the end of the season. And hopefully that says uh, some positive stuff about his trajectory here and how much he can contribute next year. But um, I know a lot of uh, recruits that were here were excited to see uh, the, the win for Michigan State. I know Marquez Taylor uh, talked to you after the game, um, along with some others, but uh, some some good uh, momentum here from this game as Michigan State kind of got right and uh, are going to be going into this week's game with some confidence. And um, also Jalen Berger, who we talked about uh, on Friday on the message board, he was here, Wisconsin running back uh, in the portal right now. Um, he was kind of a big storyline that we had to keep to ourselves until um, he kind of let the cat out of the bag. And then same with Kentucky um, commit 2022 four-star Alex Safari, uh, defensive back from Ohio. Uh, he's a guy that I know we've talked about for a while that Michigan State's been working on getting him to visit, but uh, it was uh, – Kentucky kind of on him a little bit to stay committed. So he uh, came over here nonetheless. And uh, anything you want to talk about those two recruitments, Corey? Yeah. uh, Berger. I think that's one to definitely keep an eye on. Uh, Michigan state uh, identified him pretty early. And then you look at the staff, you have uh, Saeed and uh, Saeed Khalif and then Jensen Gebhardt. Uh, and the recruiting staff and they were took them from Wisconsin so they know him very well so they were able to really uh get the real background on what happened with the fallout there and go through uh you know exhaust every avenue to to figure out uh what what they have with him or potentially have with him so they did that before they got him on campus obviously and then uh spend time with him on campus being able to uh get to know him and kind of uh bring up those things because they're they're not shy about it so uh he's definitely one to keep an eye on and then uh afari i'll have an article on him soon so i'll keep his kind of light just because i don't know (laughs) when this will drop and think but uh uh, i think that's definitely one to kind of keep an eye on just because they did get him up here and uh, he does have plans of coming back. So, uh, yeah, that's definitely one. And I like him a lot on the field that we can talk about that. Uh, six foot two, uh, I think he's probably 185 pounds, uh, 190 pounds already. Uh, very physical, fluid defensive back, which is something Michigan State needs more of. And I think they're getting that with a few of the guys that they currently have in 22, but that would be it a huge addition just like the Caleb Coley one would be whenever he decides. So yeah, I think uh, that would be a strong, strong close for them to uh, land Afari after putting in all that work to, to try to make it happen. Do you, uh, what, what would Afari project uh, into what kind of spot in Michigan state's defense? And it was a long rangey six two. Yeah, I think, uh, he safety is probably the easy projection but he does have uh the fluidity and he does play some press in high school so I think corner's not out of the question he's got enough speed to do it and enough fluidity so like I would say he's probably more more fluid than uh Aid Willie the the commitment that they have from IMG who I've always thought he's the one that could slide to back to safety here 
as opposed to being a big corner. And then you could slide uh, Afari down to corner uh, if if they were to land him. Yeah, so Michigan State kind of has quite a few flip targets here on the recruiting board uh, going into the end of the season. Um, obviously, the Keontae Goodwin and Armani Winfield are, are two guys uh, that have been on the board for a while. And then Zion Young, defensive end committed to West Virginia. And then now Alex Safari has been added to the mix. So they uh, a lot of excitement that the recruiting uh, department at Michigan State uh, has been able to provide here going into the final month or so before National Signing Day. And um, Harold Perkins as well, the five-star uh, from Houston, uh, still kind of expected to come up here on an official visit around December 10th. So um, he was at Texas um, on Saturday and he got to <laughs> witness them lose to Kansas and posted a snap uh, Instagram story on that. And I think he's laughing in the background of that. So not a, not a good sign for Texas, but it uh, seems like Texas A&M was the main, was the main uh, leader there anyway. And then um, I'm sure Ronnie Winfield wasn't too, too impressed with that either. And I know he tweeted out the pondering emoji and, Kate Hauser jumped on that with a go green when he quote tweeted it. So a lot of, a lot of momentum here for the, the flip candidates. And uh, obviously uh, our Cuyante Goodwin's the one they've been working on for a long time. And he's a guy that also uh, is kind of expected to visit in December when Perkins is. So December should be a fun month. Um, I guess that kind of, uh, leads me to say, uh, make sure to go ahead and get a VIP subscription uh, to Spartan Tailgate here because not even just this next month or so, but think about what Mel Tucker has been able to do since uh, joint since uh, coming to Michigan State and all the guys he landed when he was two and five because most of this class that he signed other than Tatum and maybe one or two other guys, they committed back when Michigan State was two and five. It's not the new momentum that has yielded these commitments. So that is what he did with that record. And now this next month and the months after that, these are all going to be with him recruiting with nine plus wins uh, under his belt here this season. So exciting times at Michigan State. Anything else you want to add, Corey? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, uh, transfer portal season two coming up here soon. That's going to heat up and, in December here once uh some teams seasons come to an end so we we know uh Mel Tucker loves to to uh hit the portal up and fill immediate needs that they have so you'll definitely get a lot of that coverage coming up soon as more names start to pop in there and then uh I guess adding on to the guys you talked about in 22 you know that's a great situation where rather than scrambling to find some diamonds in the rough you're you're going like pretty much almost every guy on the on their board is a highly rated uh flip candidate or perkins who's a five star so i mean definitely i think you're gonna see some real fireworks coming up here soon especially if uh michigan state's able to win one or two out of the their next two games that's just gonna generate even more uh, buzz to the program yeah definitely because these are some programs they recruit against um penn state probably more so than ohio state but um i guess as michigan state starts to move up that ladder of who they're going to go after these are both some programs that they'll be in some battles in. so if mel can beat ohio state or and and or penn state then 
it'd be a huge boost to the momentum that they already have. So uh, yeah, definitely you would want to go ahead and get a VIP subscription to Sprint Tailgate for, for that scenario. So uh, that about does it for this episode. Uh, we'll be talking about the Ohio State game later this week. And uh, thanks for listening and we'll catch you guys next time.